This is Cocktails Distilled, a podcast that takes your favorite spirits and liqueurs from the still to the cocktail glass. In each episode, we talk to distillers and creators about particular expressions that their brand have released, what they are, why they were created, and in what cocktails they can be used. Are you ready to understand what's in your glass, or perhaps should be? Welcome to Cocktails Distilled. For many of us, the idea of distilling gin is a mix of alchemy and mysticism. But for Dr. Anne Brock, the head distiller at Bombay Sapphire, it is pure science and sensory memory. As the latest custodian for the brand, Brock has spent the last four years leading a team of 16 distillers at the brand's Laverstock Mill Distillery, but maintaining the core expression while adding in innovation isn't always easy. So we talked to Brock about creativity, agility, and adding a little personality to an established brand. Thank you for joining us, Anne. It's lovely to be here. Now, you have an organic chemistry background. Do you feel that that gives you an edge when it comes to distilling? I certainly feel that having organic chemistry background has been hugely beneficial to me in my career as a distiller. The the actual science that I was doing went back when I was doing my PhD isn't applicable to gin, but the processes I was using in the lab and the the logistics around creating product is absolutely analogous and I I I do feel that it's a huge support to me. Now, which is more important, do you think, that chemical knowledge or your nose and sensory memory? Well, it's it's really interesting, actually. It's something that I often think about in in my day to day. You know, what what what's more valuable to me, my my scientific education or, or my nose? And I think it depends where I was in my career. So certainly when I was starting out and I was building a distillery in London, it would have been my chemical knowledge that was that was most useful because I was trying to build a process that would create a gin and understanding the issues that could uh, could occur that if the process wasn't built correctly was was really important whereas now obviously I work at Laverstoke Mill in Hampshire in England and the distillery was built before I joined the company so for me now it's my nose and my sensory memory Bombay Sapphire is such a well-known gin and people expect it to taste the same. And that that really that really falls on, on me. I imagine that must have been quite intimidating when you started in the role, the idea that people do expect it to taste the same every time. Absolutely. I think I was distilling a gin before, which which had its fans, but they weren't quite as uh, extensive as Bombay Sapphire's fans. And so it, it was something that I certainly thought about a lot before taking the role on. Part of my interview process for the role was actually a, a sensory test. So um, I had to pass that before they'd even consider me for the role, obviously. One of the things that I benefit from a lot working at Bombay Sapphire, though, is that it's the network of support I have. It's although on site it comes down to me and my nose and day to day, it's it's up to me to make sure the gin tastes the same. If we ever think we're deviating, if we ever um, perceive any fluctuations or changes due to changes in raw materials or changes in the process, 
I do have a huge, huge amount of support, starting firstly with the, the Master of Botanicals, Varno Tanuti. I imagine that you could have distilled anything with your background. Why did you specifically choose gin? Because I love I love gin. <laughs> I think when you're when you're a distiller or a blender, if you're working with a spirit you love, that's half the battle. There are, I, you know, I'm, I'm very lucky. I get to try other spirits, obviously, in my, in my job. And I do love trying other spirits and learning about other spirits. But the bottle I'll pick up in a moment that matters when I'm sat with my family, I will pick up a bottle of Bombay Sapphire and I'll have a gin and tonic. So gin was, was a no brainer for me. It was always gin. Now you mentioned the distillery that you set up in London, Bermondsey. How much of an adjustment was it to move from a small distillery like that to a brand of such renowned as Bombay? It was, in some ways it was huge and in others it wasn't. And it was quite strange when I was sort of getting up to go to my first day on the roll. I, the thing I was most nervous about was actually driving to the distillery because I'd had to learn to drive for the for the job so it was, oh, okay. it was one of the first times I'd driven after my driving test so I was absolutely petrified about the drive to the distillery and I figured once I got to the distillery I knew how to make gin and it would be fine <laughs> but I think it's obviously on a much bigger scale than the distillery I was working in before I was the only distiller and then I moved to leading a team it's a 24-hour seven-day-a-week site so the, the stills are always churning, even if I'm not on site. So I think that was the biggest adjustment was trusting other people to continue the process when I wasn't around and trusting their noses because I can't be on site 24-7. No, of course not. So out of curiosity, manual or automatic? The process? No, no, no. The, 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 oh, um, the drive. The <laughs> um, manual. <laughs> Which is the harder one to do. Absolutely. And I was living in London. I hadn't moved out to Hampshire yet. So I was I was actually learning to drive in London as well, which is not an easy prospect. <laughs> no, that would be quite a thing, I imagine. Now, how difficult has it been to step into the shoes of the brand's past master distillers and play that part of Guardian? I think it's been I think one of the great things about working for a, a brand like Bombay is it's known for for the product and the bottle and the creativity of the brand rather than the the person making it so in some ways I didn't feel like suddenly the spotlights would be turned on me because the spotlight's always on the gin which always makes it a lot easier when you're standing in the background of such a brilliant product like like Bombay Sapphire I think that I'm also lucky in the fact that there's, through most of Bombay's history, there's been a consistent master of botanicals, Ivano Tanuti. So I get to work closely with him and learning from him and working alongside him means that I feel like I can pick up a lot about the product, about um, its history and its history of the way it's been made and any changes to production processes over time. So in some ways, I feel like, I've been supported through that by him. And I suppose also he'd be able to give you a good heads up if growing conditions for botanicals have changed or oh, uh, rainfall or anything that would affect the flavour. 
Absolutely. And uh, as you can imagine, with uh, the changes in, in the planet's climate at the moment, harvest to harvest is very different for all our 10 botanicals. Obviously, the harvest take place at different times of the year in different parts of the world. And so one year, the juniper harvest might be great, but we'll be struggling with the angelica or the coriander. And so it's so important that Ivano and I continue to communicate about that. And the, the switch between different harvest years is managed very, very carefully. And as, as years go by, we, we are seeing more and more issues with, with growing conditions. Does that mean that you seek out new growers constantly or you just deal with what you have or how do you get around those inconsistencies? One of the very unique things about Bombay Sapphire is, is our relationship with our growers. We work directly with them. We don't go through any commodities traders or brokers. Ivano has built up these relationships with our growers directly over sort of 20 years of his career and has almost personal relationships with them. It's incredible that a brand as big as Bombay works in that way. Now, obviously, that means then when uh, there are issues with the harvest, the growers are very well aware of what we need and will alert us early on to any issues so we can work with them to see if we can overcome it and how we overcome that will depend on the issue. We do work always with the same growers and that's because as of this year all our botanicals are now certified sustainable and that is not an easy thing to to get through get through a process it takes a long time to get that that qualification and that's really important for Bombay so we will always continue to work with the with the growers that Ivano has that relationship with. I imagine it must be difficult though because you would be buying in such large quantities if a harvest (laughs) fails or has massive problems that could sort of throw you completely couldn't it? Well, that's why we have to manage that risk carefully by buying more in good years and ensuring that we have a good spread of supply, not just from a volume point of view, but across harvests as well. So whenever a harvest changes, it doesn't mean that we move from one vintage to the next like wine. There's always a blend of different harvests across the years in any bottle of Bombay Sapphire. Oh, okay. Now, Bombay was, of course, the first of the modern gins to feature botanicals, especially on the bottle as well as the marketing material. Do you believe that it's that transparency that has helped propel the brand to its current level of popularity? I certainly think that's that's played its part because if you look at the popularity of smaller smaller distilleries that are opening up, one of the things that consumers love about small brands is is that level of transparency. And Bombay, even at the size it is, has always had that commitment to transparency, and we always will. Every time we put out a new innovation, a new a new style of Bombay, then the botanicals on the side of the bottle get updated and we don't just include which botanicals go in we state where we get them from as well not down to the exact grower <laughs> but no. the the country that they come from and um, because we think it's it's important for our consumers to understand that we want the very best for Bombay and we go out to look for the very best in terms of its botanicals. Now there are of course a variety of different ways to create gin why do you believe that vapor infusion is the best it's very hard to say a sort of 
flats, it's the best. I think that vapor infusion is certainly the best for the Bombay recipe. There are a number of different ways you can make gin. Obviously, the classic steep and boil, vapor infusion, which Bombay has pioneered. And also you get cold distillation as well. And it's just a different way of treating the botanicals to get different flavours. So for Bombay, what we're looking for is a bright and balanced flavour profile because we want something that bartenders can pick up and use in any creation that they want and, and really put their creative mindset to, to the gin. And we get that through vapor infusion because it's a slightly more delicate way of treating the botanicals, resulting in a much more natural expression of the botanical flavors. I always like to think about it in terms of trying to explain it to people in terms of something like coffee. You know, you take a coffee bean and you make an espresso, you make a pour over or a cold brew with the same bean, you get three very different tasting coffees. And it's what the barista or the flavor the barista wants to to present to the customer is the, the, the method by which he, he, makes, he or she makes the coffee. So we've chosen vapor infusion because we believe that it gives the best flavor profile for Bombay Sapphire. Now, are there aspects of the product that you've been allowed to tweak at all? Or would you tweak things? Yes, absolutely. So I am not allowed to touch the recipe or change the flavour of the gin, obviously, because I think if I started to be creative with the, the Bombay Sapphire flavour profile, uh, passionate consumers would, would have something to say about that. But what I am allowed to do is look at the processes we use in the distillery and make improvements. So there's, we've got an environment of continuous improvement in the distillery and we will change the process to improve things for my distillers, to improve things from a sustainability perspective, to improve things from a capacity perspective. So yes, there are elements that I can I can change, but the primary thing that cannot change is that bright balanced flavour profile of Bombay Sapphire. Now you spoke a little bit about sustainability. How important do you think that is to modern gin production? It's essential. I think that anyone setting up a distillery now should be looking at the most sustainable way that they can be creating their gin. And for me, it's something that we take so seriously at the distillery. It's part of my everyday, not just in terms of monitoring the amount of energy or water we're using in our process, but also actively on a daily basis, creating new ways of working or coming up with future plans for the distillery to drive that distillery towards net zero. The planet is so important um, to the world, to us, and we only have one of them, and it's, it's our duty to look after that. Can you give us some idea as to what future plans will be to help that sustainability along? Absolutely. I mean, as I say, we're, we're driving towards net zero. That's the most important thing now. We've got a quite ambitious target for that. So one of the things I'm doing is I'm looking at alternative energy supplies. I'm looking at new technical processes, which can give us the energy that would power our stills. We're very, very lucky at the distillery. It was built in 2013 and it was built when it was built. The design won a Briam Award. It was the first distillery, I think, to win this environmental award for building design. 
So we were built with solar panels in place. We were built with thermal heat recovery. We were built with rainwater harvesting. We've got a turbine in our river. But between 2013 and 2021, there's obviously been huge changes in the technology. And what we don't want to do at the distillery is sit back and go, right, well, we've put some solar panels in. That's that's fine. That's all right. We can just sit back and we've done our bit. We're continually looking at new technologies coming out. So we will be upgrading those. We will be looking at how we can maximise the output of the solar panels, how we can maximise the output of the turbine. The rainwater harvesting actually is one of our really big uh, sort of sustainability measures. It sounds so so simple, but it saves us a million litres of water a year, which is a huge amount. Um, we're also looking at different ways we can change the the production process again without changing the taste of Bombay Sapphire, but to make it make it a more sustainable process, get more gin out for less energy. Recently, the brand has been bringing out a number of limited edition expressions which do you prefer working on the established brand or creating these new taste flavors it's kind of what day of the week it is is it (laughs) the question but I think when I came into the role I thought that my passion would be the innovation you know that's the exciting bit the the playing with new flavors and you know putting putting your creative side of your brain to to work but actually what surprised me when I started was how passionate I am about just the, the production of Bombay Sapphire and getting that consistency out. So it's not as easy as saying we've set the recipe and the, the stills are just going to run and it's all going to be fine. There's so much that goes into it that on a daily basis takes up my takes up my scientific brain and, and my nose that really I I could happily just make Bombay Sapphire <laughs> day in, day out. But um okay to work on the innovation obviously it's it's really exciting and it's interesting and I've been really lucky to be involved in some some beautiful products recently. Now talk us through a bit of the process of creating those uh, new expressions where does the inspiration for the flavours come from and where do your ideas originate? I think one of the really interesting things about working with a gin like Bombay Sapphire and trying to innovate within within the sort of flavour DNA of Bombay Sapphire is that it is such a balanced gin. So if you add any botanical new botanicals in, you're going to offset that balance, which you don't want to do. So a lot of the inspiration is driven by a, a botanical that interests myself or Ivano, but also then how we balance that botanical within the within the Bombay Sapphire recipe but also be driven by the fact we get an interesting botanical or it could be driven by a need we see in the market so if we think that there's a need for a warm bolder version of Bombay Sapphire like say Sunset we think okay we we really want to do this and we really want to showcase this different aspect of Bombay Sapphire and how do we achieve that what botanicals do we need to achieve that so there's really two different ways you can come at it. Now, you mentioned that these expressions need to work with the original Bombay Sapphire. Are you ever allowed to go completely off the reservation and not necessarily use the original as your base? We have a number of different innovation sort of pipelines. So we've got the core, what we call our special editions, which is Bombay Sapphire Sunset Style, which is the the 
Bombay Sapphire base with with some additional botanicals. But one of the things we are pushing towards is, well, we've just actually here in the UK launched uh, Bombay Sapphire Premier Crew. And that is a new expression of Bombay Sapphire, but it's also looking at working with the growers and highlighting the talent of the growers. So it's really capturing that. So yes, there's a Bombay Sapphire base, but it's it's kind of a bit left wing because we've almost unbalanced that gym by putting lots of citrus in. Right. We are also looking to be a bit more creative because one of the things that makes Bombay Sapphire unique is its vapor infusion process. So one of the things we do want to do is start to explore that more and have the change in production process be the hero of the innovation rather than the new botanicals. When you're coming up with these new expressions, is there a particular overarching direction that you're following or can the ideas really come from anywhere and every idea is worth trying? Oh, I think you can't do innovation without saying every idea is worthwhile. You know, if you if you put too strict uh, uh, sort of limitations on yourself before you get creative, then you're you're not exploring every avenue. So we'll always when we're, we're coming up with a product, we will make a a range and we'll we'll always have a bit of a wild card in there and sometimes that wild card makes it to the end because it's not something that anyone thought would work and it it just works beautifully. Now the gin craze has been going I mean especially in the UK a while now do you think there's still a lot of room for innovation in gin? I think there is but I think it needs to be done in the right way and I think one of the things you often see when a a spirit is really popular is people are trying to jump on the bandwagon and they start to create products that aren't recognizably the 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 spirit that is sort of experiencing that that huge popularity growth and we have seen that in gin especially in the UK and there are a number of gins now that you know if you gave it to them to me blind I wouldn't be able to taste the juniper and so for for me I think yes absolutely there's still room for innovation in gin you know one of the brilliant things about it is the flexibility in the category but as an industry we have to be careful that we respect what gin actually is and don't lose sight of what the spirit is because it is a beautiful spirit and we can innovate without moving away from that. In terms of the expressions and the innovation that has been done during your time um, at the Reigns, what would you say would be your favourite? It's it's often it's often the the most recent one we've done, but actually Sunset for me is one that I really love. I think it's one of the innovations we've done where I've just not only loved the liquid but I've really loved what the the brand team have done with the the bottle and the all the messaging around it you know it's it's, it it just works as a as a product and as a concept and it's it's something that I'm really proud of but I also feel that it's it's something that is quite it's quite a bold gin for Bombay Sapphire it's it's very spicy and it's very warming and it just works so well it adds this real different element to a number of my favorite cocktails so I'm really loving I've got a couple of bottles actually on the shelf over there that I'm really enjoying pouring and sharing with my friends. What is it about Bombay Sapphire that really captures people's imagination? I think it is that balanced flavour profile. I think it is the brightness of the botanicals. It's the fact that it stands out on a shelf 
So the, the bottle just screams at you to pick it up. And then the gin you get inside is just beautiful. And you can turn your hand to anything when creating cocktails with it. Do you ever create gin from the end use perspective? So do you consider the cocktails that these spirits might go into? Absolutely. You can't create a gin if you can't imagine a bartender using it, you know, if you, and you also have to be conscious of, you know, creating the perfect, say, Negroni gin, but you can't just have it to work in a Negroni. It has to work in other cocktails as well. So from the, from the get-go, you're thinking about the cocktails because as you're choosing your botanicals, there might be a botanical that really is quite jarring and doesn't work in any cocktails, at which point there's no point making the gin. So it stays front front of mind throughout the whole process. And often you're, you'll be sipping some of the innovation products that you're coming up with and you'll sip one, you'll think that I can imagine. You're almost transported to being sat in a bar, drinking it in a, an aviation or a, a French 75 or a, a martini. And that that really, for me, is when you know that you're getting somewhere and you're getting a gin that it's recognisably a great product when you're when you're transported to a bar as you taste it. If we could take you to a bar right now, what would you order? I would order, I think, something like a gimlet or a bee's knees right now. It's quite does early that, in the day. Does that change or is that, yep. are those your sort of go-to cocktails? Oh, no. It changes all the time. So I, I don't really have a go-to cocktail. It, it really depends on the time of year, time of day, <laughs> the bar I'm in as well. You know, you go somewhere like the Connaught in London, then you're going to have a martini. Whereas if you go somewhere else, you know, you might somewhere like Tear and Elementary in, in London, you would you would take something off their menu because it's so they're so creative and so different. So for me, I, I like to I like to be led by the bartender a lot as well, because, you know, you, you, you spend all these hours making the perfect gin. But when you hand it over to the bartender, what you want that your gin to do is inspire creativity in them. So if they've come up with a cocktail with your gin, honestly, there is no better cocktail. There's no cocktail that tastes better in the world than a cocktail that has been made specifically for your gin by a, by a talented bartender. Do you have a favourite bar? The two I've just mentioned, actually, in London are my, the two I probably visit the most at the moment. But pre-COVID, obviously, I was very much, I was very lucky and I, I, I did some travelling um, with the with the brands. And I've really enjoyed seeing bars in other countries. So I did a bit of a tour of America, which was amazing. And there were some fantastic bars out there that was honoured to to go to. So hopefully when things all calm down, I'll, I'll be able to travel again and and start to explore what's going on in other countries because I think it's really important for a distiller to go to bars and go and see what bartenders are doing with your products and depending on where you are in the world that's going to change because trends are quite different across the globe. Of course. Now speaking of COVID did you like everybody else expand your bartending home bartending skills? (laughs) To be honest we were, I mean, COVID was just such a strange time in the distillery. We obviously kept producing gin, but there was a lot of restrictions that came in and we, a lot of my time was taken up just making sure my team was safe. And we also were able in the UK and I think across the world, we obviously there was that huge shortage of sanitizer at the beginning of the, the pandemic. And we 
started to make it at the distillery so with the with the skeleton crew with production still running we also had this almost secondary role of of making bottling and shipping sanitizer to local care homes local hospitals local doctor surgeries local schools we were donating it all so that became a, a, a big part of my role that is my second job was as a sanitizer supplier and so I didn't have a huge amount of time at home or I was pretty tired when I got home so what I did start to do was uh, get into pre-batching my cocktails so that when I got home it was all ready to go and I could just pour it into a glass sit on my sofa and take a moment to to decompress from the day. Now that makes perfect sense. Take us through a typical day. What what do you normally do? So I always say that it's very hard, you know, to to say a typical day because any day on a on a on a, in a distillery is is production driven and things might be happening within the process that change your plans for the day depending on what's going on. But there is one constant in any of any of my days. So I obviously arrive on site at about eight a.m. in the morning, walk through sign in and go into the main courtyard of the distillery and the first thing I'll see is the beautiful glass houses at the distillery and I've been working at the distillery for over four years now and it never gets old seeing them they look so different in any any part of the day or night and it's that they're just beautiful and then I'll turn and go into the distillery and first thing I'll notice is the smell in the distillery because depending on where we are in the production process the distillery will smell different so I'll know immediately when I walk in where we are in the process Then I go up and drop all my stuff off into my office. But the first thing I do before I've had chance for any food or drink to uh, mess with my sensory capabilities, I'll go to the lab and I'll nose the the samples that we've we've made across the night and across the week. So any samples that are out for me to nose and taste and judge against the reference, I'll do that first. And that continues throughout the day. And that is the one consistency in my day is checking the quality of the gin. What do you want people to take away from their experience with Bombay Sapphire? I want them to love it. And I want them to appreciate the fact that it is a well-crafted, beautifully balanced gin. It's not easy to achieve a gin like that. It's very easy to make a gin, but it is not easy to make a good gin. And I think that Bombay Sapphire is truly unique in its flavour profile and its balance and in its consistency. Look, Anne, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. If people want more information, they, of course, can go to the website, which is bombaysapphire.com, or connect with the brands via your socials. Absolutely, yes. Do connect with the brand via the socials. And you can always reach out to the distillery as well. So the distillery has its own website and its own contact details. So if there's any information you want to know about visiting Lavastoke or anything to do with the process, they can always reach out there. I was about to ask, actually, are you guys back to doing tours of the distillery or...? We are, yes. So we obviously had to close that shut down for a period of time, but they, they they are back. The one change we have made is we used to take our guests through the still house. So they'd sort of get a real sense of the size of the stills and the process. We don't do that at the moment to protect my team. So they, they there are large windows and you stand outside and you look in. So it's not quite the same but it's still a fantastic fantastic experience and you do hear absolutely everything about our, our process and the way gin is made that would be really fascinating
Again, thank you so much for taking the time. No problem at all. Anytime. Cheers. And we'd also like to thank you for listening. Be sure to visit cocktailstill.com to access the show notes. And if you like what you've heard, we'd love you to subscribe, rate, or give a review on iTunes. Until next time, cheers. Cheers.